Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Okay, next question. I am. I really struggle with being close and intimacy due to abandonment and witnessing domestic violence as a child. Is there a quick fix to being more open and vulnerable? And I kind of chuckled at this because I was like, oh my gosh, you're such a great addict because you're going like, is there a quick fix? We all as addicts want the quick fix. So there, there isn't a quick fix to any of this. This is a journey. So, you know, uh, buckle in, you know, it's, it's, you know, toler it's making one connection, you know, and just going, oh gosh, I'm going to be a little uncomfortable and it's going to be okay. So what do you have to say, Dr. Rob? Well, I want to say to this person that you are um, being close and intimate right here to us. You know, Great. to be intimate mm-hmm. means to be known. To be intimate means to be vulnerable to people and risk that they're going to move towards you or against you or away from you. You know, when I share something, well, the guys in group always want to know at Seeking Integrity, they always want to know how to be intimate. What, it, what is being intimate? And they're talking about their spouses. And what I show them is, you know, if they're just sitting there talking and talking, they get information from others. But when they really talk about difficult things, people lean in. They say, wow, you're having a hard time. That must be. In other words, empathy is built by my revealing my emotional self to you. So um, if you, so I'm saying that you're already doing it because by saying, um, I struggle with being close. I was abandoned. I witnessed violence. I mean, what you're saying to us is I want to be closer to you. I want to get your support. And so that very thing that you did right there is being intimate. It's just about practicing it on people. <laughs> and basically, if you have some people you're really safe with, you know, and you start with little things, you know, I had a really painful day, My, you know, it was just and see, you know, do they ask, do they engage? Are they curious? That's somebody that you can move forward with. Um, so but to Tammy's point, I mean, I think you're on the road, just by being here, just mm-hmm. by asking the question the way you did. But to Tammy's point, you know, this is like talking about being nicer and or less narcissistic. It takes a lifetime, not necessarily recover from the from the violence, but to move toward being the person you want to be and more open. That that's a lifetime of work, um, and there is no quick fix, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Well, I, and speaking of that, there there are tools that can help pretty quickly not take away the what you witness but can help um uh it, with some of the you know if you're having like a physical body reaction to reactivity of those, yeah thank you um yeah like emdr is one but uh, people do somatic experience and brains uh spotting i mean there's all kinds of of trauma work that may help you um, to, to not have like a body reaction thinking about, or, you know, being triggered by something. And that may help you then also move into being closer to people because you aren't, you know, getting, um, caught up in that, you know, like gut churning physical reaction to something. So some of those may be useful for you, but, but the, the great thing about recovery is it is a journey. Like I learn every, every year I learn more and, and things shift and I'm grateful for that. Like that's to me a gift, um, you know, in recovery. 
Yeah, I, I apologize for not saying that, you know, um, that while not a quick fix, you do need a road. And, um, you know, Tammy's right that there are therapies and they really exist and they're a real thing and they're not just made up that um, in a short period of time will reduce the reactivity to things that have happened in the past. Um, you have to be fairly specific about what you want to work on or what those memories are, but you can in a very short period of time reduce the reactivity and it could be you know that something inside of you goes oh my god and then you're not able to be open and vulnerable and that can be alleviated to some degree but this is still a learning process you know if i have learned to protect myself my whole life and not let people in it's going to take time to move because you're just taking care of yourself you know it's not like you don't want to be connected i mean you're, that's what you said but it's a it's a learning it's a journey like tammy said it, it does and here's an, like would you want to force yourself to be more open and vulnerable when you've already been abused you don't need to be forced into anything you need to find a gentle road and be guided so and you won't do it perfectly and you might make a mistake and you might trust somebody who isn't as trustworthy as they should be. And I would encourage you not to stop the process, but just to go, oh, I have more to learn and, you know, and I'm going to get more support and help you pick um, the safe people for me. But but don't expect yourself, please, to do it perfectly because, I, you know, you haven't you haven't been taught and and even even if you are really intuitive at things, you're, you know, you still get burned every now and then, but it's still part of the well, life experience. People are going to hurt us. They're going to let us down. They're going to, it doesn't mean our whole childhood is being revisited, although it may feel that way. That's, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but having lived long enough, life is very difficult. It's one of the reasons why home and family is so important because we go out to that brutal place and we come back in and we need to recharge on every level with love, with support, you know, and then we need to eat some dinner. So um, that's what I say to a lot of folks I work with is you don't understand the value of home. It's where we get all of the recharge on every level so we can back go back out in the world and do what we need to do. And if you live with emptiness and disconnection, um, you're going to be empty and disconnected. So... Um, I can't, you know, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, next question. My essay husband has been in recovery for five months. He has gone to a meeting every day, has a sponsor and a CSAT, and seems to be very committed. My issue is that he operates in a kind of manipulative way and has for decades. He doesn't even realize it most of the time. I'm sure it will take a while for him to change this bad habit. He's trying to figure out how to stop the manipulative ways. Do you have any advice? Thank you. I do. But it's very simple. It's not anything very complicated um, or ther therapy like. I would make a list of uh, when, how, okay, I would make a list during the week of times and situations where you think he has been manipulative. So the situation is, I'm going to be very simple. He said he was going to take out the garbage. Um, what happened that was manipulative? He told me that he had taken it out, but when I turned my back, that's when he took it out. In other words, he forgot in the morning, but he didn't want to get in trouble with me at the end of the day. So he kind of snuck it out, you know. So he was being manipulative um, by taking out the garbage. And the way he was being manipulative was uh, lying about how and when he did it. Anyway, I would make a, a two-sided little menu, which is what is the issue and what is the manipulation? And then if he really wants to work on this, um, you could hand that to him and say, you know, 
can you add to this for yourself? You know, what things did he see that ways that he is seductive and manipulative? One of the things we do, I used to do with the guys in Seeking Integrity, and I should do more of it, is I would make them make a list of how, in what ways are they seductive and in what ways are they manipulative. And, and, you know, that can be all kinds of things in lots of ways. But to see what I do to bring people in without really opening myself up to them or how can I be seductive, like being funny or charming or how do I bring people in without being direct and then how do I manipulate? Um, I think that those are things that every addict should learn about. So anyway, if he's open, I would ask him if it'd be okay if you made a list of your experiences and if he was willing to listen and go through it with you, he might get a better understanding of where you are coming from. However, if he's gonna defend himself, if he's gonna push back, if he's gonna say, well, the way you see it is wrong, then I think he's a long way from figuring out how to be less manipulative. Um, but anyway, it's a great question. And, and by the way, some people may not recover. There are people who stop their behavior and, real, and they realize how incredibly narcissistic and broken they are. But if he's as committed as this says he is, you guys will work through this. Besides five months is not very long. I, I agree. I got the five months and this has been decades long. And that he, that from what you're sharing, um, he uh, doesn't realize it most of the time I, that I, I could see. I was thinking also in real, I love that idea of the list in the past, um, you know, like what's happened this week. But, uh, you know, I was, if he's open to it, you know, it can be part of the conversation of, are you open to, you know, if I, if I am concerned that you might be manipulating, are you open to me asking? And, and it might be, if he's, if he says, yes, you can test it and say, you know, the story I'm telling myself is that you're being manipulative right now. Does that resonate with you? And it's not an accusation. It's just, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm sensing and feeling. And if he's open to that, man, that, that could be such a huge opportunity, either, either method, both methods, you know, to, um, to make some progress and, in a different way, but I, you know, I'm like I, I mentioned earlier, we lie to ourselves more than anybody else. You know, as addicts, we are lying to ourselves, you know, to continue to defend all the behaviors that we have stored up that, you know, that are not really helpful for having a productive relationship. So it's, it is challenging to break through all that, but, but I give them, I mean, like I hear some really good progress, especially so early in the process. So, so I'm hopeful for both of you. My partner was betrayed by his ex-wife repeatedly, severely. Now he has done the exact thing to me. Do you think this could be the cause of, a, of his sexual addiction that he is repeating this pattern? So I'm sorry I left, but we get this question a lot. And yes, if someone, no, I mean, how do I say this? This is somebody who is going to cause some drama, may, maybe, and, and eventually find a way to a crisis. But the pattern of, you know, what it might be betrayal, it might, uh, I don't, okay, let me go back and answer the question. That's probably a better way to do it. I do not think this is the cause of his sex addiction. I think this is a symptom of his sex addiction. This is what he does and why he does it and what it means to him. I mean, that's why we have treatment centers and online trainings and books and to help him understand 
um, how it is that he could have, you know, it's sort of like what I said earlier about the guy who hits his kid. This guy doesn't have any empathy for perhaps what happened to him, what his ex, he doesn't have any empathy for what his ex-wife went through. And so he can do it all over again because he doesn't understand how that really affected her. So he's kind of, I would say at best immature um, and at worst, completely unconscious. Um, but I don't think this is the cause. This is, this is, um, one of the ways that the addiction has expressed them itself. And when you say repeatedly and severely, like, I don't know, you know, what that means. Um, and you know, it doesn't mean affairs. Does that mean emotional? Does that mean, uh, your, uh, STDs? I mean, what, when, what way was, uh, was he betrayed by his ex-wife? What does that really mean? Um, Tammy? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's not clear. And at the end of the day, it does not sound like he did his work on himself as a betrayed partner. You know, I, I often say this, you know, even if the partner is leaving the relationship or the relationship has ended for whatever reason, you know, I encourage betrayed partners to really do their work because otherwise, you know, they bring all of this, you know, into the, another relationship. So what I feel like is he had all this pain and drama and, and trauma and whatever. And now he's brought that into a relationship with you. And, you know, and so now, but now he's the betrayer instead of the betrayed. Um, um, uh, but is it part of his overall stuff? You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, trauma, abandonment, abuse, neglect, uh, grief, loss. There's always something, you know, some wound, but it doesn't. Uh, and while it's a reason, it doesn't give him an excuse to turn around and betray you. So I hope you've set healthy boundaries for you, for your safety as a betrayed partner and are taking care of you joining our betrayed partner groups, et cetera. Better free. But I did want to say mm -hmm. one more thing, which is, and I, I don't, I try to say this in a, well, I just say things the way I say them. Um, why are we sitting here talking about him? You know, your focus is on how, why is this a pattern? Could he be repeating it? He did it to her. He's saying it to me. No, what about you? No, the ex-wife did it to him. Or she did it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so used to. But well, how are you taking care of yourself? Um, I don't see anything in there about so. So I'm going to these therapy groups or as Tammy said, I'm dropping in on a support group or, you know, what are you doing to rather than figuring it out, what it meant to her, why she did these things, all that. I think that's secondary at the moment to the fact that she walloped you and you're in pain and you need to be attending to that pain um, rather than trying to fix her or understand her. Or, that's her problem. You need to focus on you. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and the pronouns, I'm completely confused. What I you know is you are now <laughs> okay. a betrayed partner and like this, you know, he is a sex addict. What is he doing to attend to a sex addiction? And, and I can't tell you how many sex addicts know all the reasons why, or a lot of the reasons why, and they're still acting out. So until and unless he stops you having healthy boundaries for you, you know, like you guys being mad at his ex-wife, his, his ex-wife is his ex-wife. He's, he's had, you know, he has the opportunity to work on the trauma that all of that caused, but he didn't have to turn around and cause you trauma too. So, okay. Here's an interesting one. Dr. Rob, can you please explain Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I'm a male addict in recovery. Um, 
Sure. Um, this is a psychological theory that speaks to uh-oh, when people might be motivated and available toward change and growth, personal growth, emotional growth, all of that. So um, if so, at the bottom of the triangle, like it's a triangle, right? And at the bottom are things like food and shelter. Like you absolutely need that for that for survival. And then the next thing above that might be safety and security. And then the next thing above that might be, um, you know, a, a good income or, and well, not good income, but stability and to be able to have a good family life or whatever ever that is. And the point of the triangle is it, you can't really deal with higher level issues until you have all of that safety. So you have to have that place to live. You have to have that shelter. You have to have that relation. You have to have that food. You have to, you can't go into higher level thinking concepts ways of living until you have the basics is basically and so the maslow triangle basically says here are the basics and and by the way go go google uh, maslow's triangle and um of needs of sorry of evolution and then um look at the images click on the image bar of on google and you'll see maslow's hierarchy of need i think is what it's called but anyway, you will see it and then you'll see it's not hard to see it laid out, you know, it'll be like food and shelter and then this and that and then, you know, moving all the way up. So um, it's a way to understand how humans um, can develop and grow emotionally, which they can't do unless they get all of that basic stuff accomplished. I think that now, Tammy, I haven't studied that or since you know, 1983. So I think that's, I'm going to give myself I'm, kudos. I'm giving you an A plus on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I probably but, got but, it wrong. No, I think you did great. So, okay. So the next question, how do couples that have been together forever move past the end of relationship due to sexual addiction and the havoc it caused emotionally? I know this is general, but it's about taking care of self so as not to go insane in the process of loss and change acceptance right now, I know. Mm. Well, uh, 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 this is going to be very... Um sort of simple but there are books about this um we have a podcast with i don't know how many hundred um almost nine hundred thousand um downloads, downloads right now yeah so one of the ways to do this is sit down and listen to the podcast together because there's all kinds of stuff on there where, where i'm interviewing people who um are dealing with intimacy disorders, people who are dealing with sexual disorders, people who are dealing with bringing a relationship back together, people who are dealing with forgiveness. I, so I pulled all these people from um, Tammy and I, I'm sorry, pulled in people to do these exercises. But uh, the reason I say that is because, yeah, in terms of general, so uh, let me see, it's about taking care of self, so not go insane. And you're talking about you, right? Yeah, because so, I think the long-term relationship ended as a result of the sex addiction and havoc it caused. So that's what I was reading in this, not the affair partner ended, that this uh, relationship ended. That's what I'm well, reading. It, yeah, and, and see, I read it as how do couples that have been together forever sort of move past Anyway, you're absolutely right. It is what it is. So um, it depends on. So this is an interesting question because what are you really talking about as a couple? Like, are you talking about 
you know, co-parenting? Are you talking about having a friendship? Are you talking about, um, because each of you have things to do in terms of healing and moving on, and they don't necessarily have to do with each other. And I think early separation, having been through that torture many years ago, the last thing I needed to do was be checking in with them, talking with them, and I needed to be away so that I could have some healing of my own. So I'm just curious what it means to come back together um, in a relationship uh, after all of this has happened. So, because move past the end of the relationship to me means how do we stay connected even though we've sort of moved past it? But anyway, this is a question. Tammy, if you have any further, otherwise, well, I think we yeah, should move. yeah, no, I mean, I do think lots of people are co parenting, co grandparenting, and how do you do that and not make the entire situation uncomfortable for everyone in the room? So, you know, it, it is about each of you doing your work, and I, and I hope, I hope that the addict has gotten the um, support that they need to shift into recovery. But I love that you're leaning into um, uh, acceptance, yes, but grief work too. Like uh, Sophia Caudle on intherooms.com does a grief group. And that might be a really, I mean, this is, this is loss, you know? And so understanding that um, and processing through it, it's, you know, it's going to take some time. So yeah, next and I question. Wanted to Go add ahead. One more little thing of that is it you're you're talking about care of self or self-care but you refer to it as acceptance you know or and tammy said grief and those are important things but self-care it can also be getting your nails done it can be going away for a weekend with friends it can be you know self-care is all kinds of things um that or don't necessarily involve psychology or fancy words like trust and acceptance. They simply involve you're going out and having a good time in a safe and healthy way. Um, so there are lots of things that are involved with self-care and they're active things. They're not necessarily thoughts, feelings, and journaling. You know? Yes. And, and I agree. And because I think unfortunately too often, all the focus gets put on the addiction, both for the partner you know, and the addict mm -hmm. too. The addict needs to lean in and really do the work. But, you know, but like, you know, understanding that there is more like, you know, um, things that are meaningful to me, you know, like going for a hike is really meaningful to me, but I'm paying attention to nature. I'm, I was doing it with a friend, you know, so all of those things are, you know, help fill my tank back up in a, in a meaningful way, but have nothing to do with, you know, my recovery, 12 step work and meditation. So, okay. Next question. I'm a betrayed partner. My sex and porn addict husband says he is serious about recovery, but does the work very inconsistently. We are five months since discovery and he just had disclosure the first week of January. He is showing some empathy and emotion, but just saying sorry all the time and not mm. acting sad and like he feels so bad for me, but not doing some recovery work. It's frustrating because he will only do what I ask him to do and not initiate any of it on his own. Do you think separation would be the next logical step? Mm. I am sick of feeling like, the, like his mom and I don't want to control his recovery. So that's, thank you. That's great questions. You want to start Tammy? Cause I think you get phone calls like this all the time. I do, you know, so, so I, like, I think it's healthy boundaries. What do you need for you? And, and, you know, him taking charge of his recovery work, you know, I, I think that's a fair thing. 
I need you to be in charge of your recovery. I want to see on the fridge what it looks like. But yeah, you know, a therapeutic separation, whether in the house or outside, that may be like a breath of fresh air for you where you just go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not having to oversee his recovery. I, you know, and he may go, you know, I really need to step it up. So Send until there are negative, treatment. yeah, until there are negative consequences that are more painful than actually doing recovery work, addicts don't change. Send him to treatment. Yeah, this he actually is a good candidate. Yeah. Well, if you're ready to end your relationship or move away from it, and uh, this is not going to be, you know, this is a great time to say, and I really would like to see you. Um, so I, I wanted to just uh, say something about the frustration. So I'm going to say something that might upset the spouses, and I need to say this because I got to get it out. Um, so it, it it sometimes you guys are so angry at us that we may be moving forward inch by inch because we have a lot of life lessons to go through. And as I said, empathy is a later stage piece of our work um, that you guys might be so angry that you, you, we're not moving fast enough for you and we're not doing enough for you. But for us, we've moved pretty far from having sex with 12 strangers a week to hanging out with a bunch of people in recovery. So I just want to say, you know, if he is even doing the things that you ask, at least that's progress, you know? However, if you've had discovery and you've had disclosure and you've been through all of that, then, then he is someone who absolutely knows what the process is, what he needs to do, what he doesn't need to do. And I know that I would certainly say to any client I work with, stop saying, I'm sorry. Stop acting like you feel so sad. And, you know, you just did this. Um, and I, Tammy, I don't sure Tammy explains the explain the refrigerator part. Oh, sure. But what I meant, what we talk about is, you know, I, I would ask a spouse to take a Saturday through Sunday piece of paper and stick it on the fridge. And what am I doing for my recovery each day? And not you doing it, but saying, you can say, you know, I would feel safer seeing because I don't like asking. So, but I, I think you should probably, you know, you make me safer if you're doing something five days a week, whatever. And, and by the way, then you'll get to see whether he has empathy or not. Because if you say it would make me feel more comfortable and safer if you would do this and he doesn't, that's not much empathy um, or he blames you. You're always asking so much of me, you know, um, real remorse and regret looks like I want you to feel safe and I want for you to feel comfortable. And so I'm going to do everything I can to show you. So um, says he is serious. Again, what Tammy said earlier is absolutely true. Um, addicts have lied, addicts manipulate, addicts are seductive. Addicts are very good with words, but not so much with actions. Um, and please forgive me, by the way, as one of them, because I don't want to forgive you by anything you say. I might forgive you if you begin to show me what I mean to you and what this relationship means to you. But um, I agree with feeling unsafe. Um, I wanted to go to the thing about separation. I have the strangest question for you, to, and you don't get to answer it, but I'm going to say it to you. Are you sleeping together right now? Are you sleeping in the same bed? While you're asking these questions about separation, um, are you still lying in the same bed? Are you still still uh, in the same room? Or, you know, in other words, separation, can, as Tammy said, can take place in a variety of levels. I would want to make sure that I had taken 
um, you know, separation steps without necessarily, um, you know, uh, doing the actual physical, you move here and I move there. But, but if this is someone who's being abusive or hitting you or hurting children or make, you know, throwing plates at the wall and scaring people, you know, they need to get out of there. Um, there was one more thing. If you should get to separation and that's where you really feel you need to be, go see a lawyer. It doesn't matter whether you're going to divorce. It doesn't matter whether you're going to ever make it formal. But I really suggest that everyone understand what their rights are. Because I've seen people do things like, like lock the locks and not let someone in to see their children. Well, you don't let someone see their children. The court is not going to like that. You know, I've, so make sure that you're consulting with a professional if you're going to separate, because I want you protected. I want your family protected. And I think the person you're separating from has a right to be protected. So um, if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, lead, take steps leading up to it and have a plan how you're going to take care of yourself during or after. Yeah, all great. And I often recommend that people go consult an attorney, just so you know, information like whatever you make up in your head is probably not accurate based on the state you're in. So understanding that, but I want to keep back in, he is showing some empathy and it's early. So I go back to it's only five months. So, but also he should, you know, have more tools. Um, but saying sorry i tell addicts don't even use sorry because it's so lame mm -hmm. you know it's what are your actions doing that you know and he says i you know acting sad and i was like how manipulative like if oh sorry and i'm feeling sad and then you're supposed to like probably step in and go oh i'm sorry that i'm making you feel bad you know so like i put in the chat early in the um webinar the next out of the doghouse which is about rebuilding trust, steps that addicts can do because they don't know how to do this naturally. The next group, the next work group will start February 1st on, let me get it right, on the seekingintegrity.com site. You can, you can find those. Sex Addiction 101, Porn Addiction 101, Out of the Doghouse, and Troy Love will have a new group. I'm so happy with this. The uh, um, It's about... Um, uh, abandonment wounds. It's about attachment wounds. So it's not just abandonment. That's the one always gets tripped up for me, but, um, but it's all of the betrayal wounds. So that work group will be starting February 7th, I think. But if you go to the site, you'll find all of them and there are spaces and um, you can find six week work groups that are psychoeducation, not therapy or treatment, but I've had multiple therapists talk about how their client was doing that work and then working with them and that they really see a difference. So I would invite you to um, participate in those as well. So, And Tammy, I'll quiz you on this. When did mm -hmm. we um, put up the first uh, Out of the Doghouse uh, online lecture? When did we do it? On uh, last week, Monday. So this is the second group. That, or no, when, second did we night. Actually when did we announce it? Oh, um, I think we put it up in uh, December. Like it didn't go up until like mid-December and it fills. So, so yeah, yeah. So it's mid-January and how many people signed up? it was full at 25. 25. So those are, yeah, no more right. than 25. So, um, so I just want to say that um, there's a lot of people out there who want to, a lot of men out there who really want to learn how that 
Okay, out of the doghouse, the course is about empathy. <laughs> it's about, because that's what the book is about. What do I need to do to restore trust? That's what that course is. And guess what? Everybody wants to sign up for, because what it really means is, how do I get my husband or wife to forgive me? <laughs> um, and I do want to say that that is not the first step. I see a lot of spouses reading out of the doghouse. They give it to the addict and they say, this is what you need to be doing. Well, that's what you want them to be doing for you. But what they need to be doing is reading Sex Addiction 101 and doing the work that they need to do, not just learning how to support you and make you feel better because then it's manipulative. You know, it's like, I don't have to do anything, but I'll show you like, I'll act like I am. Um, so, uh, it's And the focus the can shift from me doing the work that I really need to do to change to, I get this all the time. How can I, you know, fix my partner? How can I help her heal? And I'm like, you... Fixing you is how it all changes. I mean, but it's got to start with the addict. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.